Let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Heavenly Father, it is with joy, with thankfulness, and with great anticipation that we come before your throne this morning. Lord Jesus, as we have just sung and praised your name, you are the only one. And we praise you for the great love you have shown, that you've given up your life so that we may be redeemed. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here this morning because we know that you will lift Jesus up in our midst. We know you will take from him what is his and give that to us. And we are here to receive because we know without you we are empty vessels. And we pray, O Lord, fill us this morning with your word. Fill us this morning with your love so that we may bear fruit and glorify your name. Amen. We'll read from the Word of God in John chapter 15 from verse 1 to 11. I am the true vine and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. Branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This may not be the first day that you hear about this parable. And the Lord Jesus has used parables many times in his life to explain things. And a parable is really something that is known in our world, in our daily lives, that it takes to bring across 
a very important truth. And in this parable, Jesus teaches His disciples and all of the believers that life and spiritual life and bearing fruit is only in Him. It's only possible in Him. Apart from Him, we can do nothing. In bearing fruit, we will glorify the Father. And in bearing fruit, we will show that we are His disciples. So let us refresh our knowledge a little bit about vineyards. And uh, vineyards is probably the oldest form of culture known to man. Right after, after the flood we read that Noah became a man of the soil and he planted a vineyard. And in the time of Jesus it was very common and still now you may know beautiful vineyards in the Northern Cape, in the Western Cape, commercial vineyards and even at people's homes in their yards uh, they grow grapes. And what is nice about grapes? The fruit. The tasty fruit. We had, when I was young, we had experts on fruit. In Afrikaans we called them kosaiskinders. <laughs> they knew <laughs> where the good fruit was in town. When it was ripe how to get there without being bitten by a dog, that was them, Kosei's So, fruit is attractive. Fruit is something desirable. There's a couple of terms in this parable which we need to understand so that we can also understand the spiritual lessons that we need to learn from this parable. So, it starts with the vine. What is a vine? A vine is like a thick stem. That's the part of the vineyard that is rooted in the soil, grows up out of the soil, and from there the branches spread out. So the vine is the central part. The vine is also what they call, it's the cultivar it, that characterizes the vine. You get wild vines that looks just like grapes. But it doesn't bear fruit or it's useless fruit. You can't eat it. So, so the cultivar of a, of, a, of a vine is very important. And people that grow vineyards, they go and look for vines that bear good fruit. And they, and they take vine sticks from there and they grow a vineyard. So the vine is the most important part of the vineyard. That determines the nature of the vineyard. Then there's the wine, the vine dresser. A vine dresser. You hear the word, if you're Afrikaans, you think, what kind of dress does it wear or put on? But a vine dresser is really the farmer. In Afrikaans, we would say the landbouwer in, um, in the parable. So the vine dresser takes care of the vineyard. He's the farmer. He nourishes the, the, the soil. He treats the branches if they've got diseases. Uh, he trains them. He prunes them. Pruning is when branches grow in the wrong direction. 
They have to be guided in the right direction. But he doesn't have to change the vine. The vine stays the same. He works with the vine. And in this parable, God the Father is the vine dresser. Then there's the branches. The branches are born on the vine. They are little thin sticks. They have the leaves on them. And then the fruit also grows on the branches. The branch has the nature of the vine. It, it cannot bear different fruit than that which the, the vine is, uh, is known for. The fruit in the vineyard, grapes. Sweet, tasty grapes. It grows, it starts as a cluster of flowers, and then over time it develops and it ripens and it gets ready for harvest. And then there's a word that we've, we've read here that is not an agricultural term, but we need to take note of it. Abide. Jesus repeats the word abide. A branch abiding in the vine. So in this context of the vineyard, that means the connection of the branch to the vine. And it's of great importance. So there's three parts of the message. The first part is about the vine and the vine dresser. The second part is about abiding. The third part is about bearing fruit. And you'll note I don't have a part for the branches. And you'll understand at the end of the message, message why. So let us start with the true vine. And uh, in the songs that were selected for this morning's message, or for this morning's worship, couldn't have been better. And the focus is, was on Jesus. And Jesus is the true vine. And what makes Jesus so special? What makes him the true vine? And we can read in uh, Colossians, uh, the words that were read earlier this morning, the scripture reading, is the image of the invisible God. Jesus is the firstborn of creation. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. For in Him the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. If you think of a vine and of a cultivar, that is the cultivar of Jesus as the true vine. There is no one greater than Him. There is no one more qualified to be the true vine in God's vineyard. Jesus dearly loves us. He's not just the greatest in his, in his godliness, in his, in his nature, but he lo his love for us defines, defines him even further. It says in verse 9, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. What is this love of Jesus? We read in so many scriptures. Uh, I can take you to Ephesians. Ephesians 1. 
verse 7. And there are so many scriptures that describes the depth of the love of Jesus. Ephesians 1 verse 7. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace. Jesus shed every drop of His blood to purchase us and to redeem us from our sins. And if you have experienced that redemption, if you have come to His feet at the cross with your sin, and you've looked at your sin in light of His Word and in His glorious holiness, then you know what the price is and what great love is captured in the blood of Jesus that He has shed for us. Uh, Ephesians 5, verse 25 and 26 is actually a portion where Paul talks to husbands on how, in how they should love their wives. But then he compares it to Jesus and His love. Verse 25, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her, that He might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. So, the love of Jesus is a self-sacrificing and giving love. Verse 29. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body. So Christ, his love nourishes and cherishes us. He has saved us. But there is still a whole life on earth and eternity to come. And Jesus will continue to nourish and cherish His church. This parable is told to the disciples in the context at a time of the last supper that Jesus had with His disciples. That last supper was was hours before Jesus was to be captured and given over to the Roman soldiers for crucifixion. It was his hour of greatest anxiety. But the, the chapter, the, the passage starts, starts in John 13. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And it starts with Jesus washing the feet of his disciples. And then he comforts them saying, I'm going away, but I'm going to prepare a place for you. So that you can all be together with me. And he continues encouraging them and giving them assurance saying, I will send you my Holy Spirit to be with you forever and to teach you. That was... The love of Jesus in his hour of great distress that he was thinking of his disciples and their well-being that they will not be in distress. So if we have such a loving mediator who is sitting at the throne of God interceding for us, why would we ever doubt 
the sufficiency of His love. If we are abiding in Him, He is the source. He is the one we need to look at. And when we look at Him, when we adore Him, when we gaze upon Him in His Word, it builds faith in our hearts because we see the one in whom we believe rather than looking at ourselves and our own shortcomings. The vine dresser, well, that's a, a suitable parable. It's not a parable about the vine and the baker or the vine and the dairy farmer. It's the vine and the vine dresser. They are in one relationship. It highlights the unity of Jesus and the Father. And that the work that the Father does in us, He does through His Son, Jesus, through the vine. And He attends to the branches. And I want to share a couple of scriptures about this relationship. In, uh, and we're going to read in John 10 and John 14. <clears throat> So in John 10, verse 30 and verse 38, in verse 30, Jesus says, I and the Father are one. Verse 38. Um, 38b. But if you do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you believe the works, that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Jesus and the Father are one. Do you believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his work. That's John 14, verse 10. And then he continues in John 14, verse 23. Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Matthew 17, verse 5, the Father spoke from heaven and he said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. So, can you see Jesus as the true vine? He's the one chosen by the Father. There's no one greater, he's the only one. He's the lamb that was slain. He's the one that purchased us. And in him, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. This is my beloved son. And the father will only accept us in Jesus Christ. No one can come to the father except through the son. It is not in bearing fruit that we qualify to be in the vine. It is by being in the vine 
that the branch is able to bear fruit. And we will talk about that more. But imagine, if you think for a moment about sports or something here where a great team is required to achieve, achieve a great purpose. You always want to select the best team. And if you consider the Father as the vine dresser and Jesus as the true vine, there is nothing that can be added. There is nothing that can make it greater. It is the greatest. If you think for a moment about and try and imagine that vineyard and the fruit, it's indescribable. It's, it's, it's perfect. It lacks nothing. So I want to encourage you with this, knowing that the fruit comes from the vine. It's not born by the vine, but it comes essentially from the vine. It is the harvest, the crop, is guaranteed. There is certainty. It will come. God will bring His works to accomplishment. Don't look at yourself. Look at God. Look at Jesus as the true vine. Look at the Father as the vine dresser. And know this vineyard will bear fruit. Jesus ends this passage in John, uh, in John 15, in verse 11, giving the reason why he is sharing this parable with his disciples. And in verse 11 he says, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. How can our joy be full if our expectation depends on ourselves? If we have to hope that things will work out okay in my efforts. There's no, there's no, our joy will never be full. It can only be full because of verse 1, the foundation. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. So let's go on to the next point. Abiding in Christ ensures fruit. The word abide comes from an old English word that means to, to make your dwelling and to stay there. A continuous staying. You reside there. When you go from here, Jeremy, to Cape Town and you stop along the way, you just take the necessary luggage out, sleep over because you know this is not your destination. When we talk about dwelling, you unpack everything. You hang the paintings. You sell the car because you're never going to drive again. You establish there. You stay there. That is what abiding means. So it's a very simple and straightforward image. The vine, the, the, the branches must abide in the vine. How much fruit can a branch bear if it's one millimeter away from the branch, from the vine. 
can bear no fruit. It has to be in the vine. Not connected with duct tape or wire or glue. It's got to be a living bond between the vine and the branches. So let's talk about that bond, that abiding. Where does it start? Are all branches in the vine? No, it starts with salvation. By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, by the word, to the glory of God. The branch must grow from the vine and be connected to him. If the branch is not from that vine, is not... He's not a true branch. He's not, you can glue a branch there, but if, it's, if it doesn't grow from there, it will not bear fruit. If we do not come to Jesus by grace and receive salvation from Him, we can never abide in Him. It has to start there. But then, it stays there. And it continues there. People often want to graduate to something greater. They live, they are excited, they start the walk with Jesus. And they love him and their hearts are warm. But then things cool down. The challenges come and they seek other things to, to just help them on. They want to change trains because they think maybe this train will not take them to the destination. Where you start as a newborn Christian in Christ, that's where you will remain. You don't graduate to a next level. This bond doesn't move to another vine. We will stay there, bonded in Christ. Not even until the end of this life, but forever. Our life, even in eternity, will be sustained in Christ alone. And that's the scripture in Colossians 2 that Rulf read earlier, verse 6 to 7. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him. A branch also doesn't grow mature to a such a level of maturity that it can develop its own roots. It will always depend on the vine. So the branch, where does growth then take place? Also in the vine. Even though the branch may grow at that end and extend, in the abiding, that point stays at the same place stays there with Jesus. So how do we abide in Jesus? How, what does that practically come to, down to? Well, we read in um, verse 4 and verse 5 we read 
abide in me and I in you. And then we get to verse 7. If you abide in me and my words in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So we need to keep the commandments of the Lord. If we are obedient to him, we will remain in his love and we will abide in him. And how do we keep his commandments? He says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. John chapter 14, verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commands. If the love of Christ is not in us, the desire will not be there to obey him. In John 2 verse 15 and 16 we are warned do not love the world or the things in the world if anyone loves the world the love of the father is not in him for all that is in the world the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the father but is from the world so there can only be one love in your heart, it will be for Jesus, and you will abide in Him, and you will keep His commandments. Or there will be love for this world, and you will love this world, and you will not abide in Christ. We cannot look to Jesus and look over our shoulders again and again to the world and desire the things of this world and the things of this life. We have to choose to attach our hearts to Jesus and to Him alone. His love is there. His love has been confirmed by the price that He's paid. By dying for us on the cross, He has shown that He loves us. But our love must be must be shown. That, is, that must come from us. We are not alone in this journey. After Jesus said to his disciples that if you love me, you will keep my commands. He follows with uh, verse 16. The promise of the Holy Spirit. And the two verses are connected with the word and. If you love me, you will keep my commands. And I will ask the Father. And he will give you another helper. To be with you forever. So God has made all the provision. That we need. To be able to abide in him. To be able to bear fruit. To love Him, to keep His commandments. He's given us the Holy Spirit. So what is there for us to do? Us personally, what can we do as Christians? 
Well, we have to seek Jesus with our whole heart. We have to seek him diligently. And it's easy to measure that. Look at where you spend your time. Look at what you are willing to pay a price for. Are you willing to sacrifice your time, your money, your comfort for Jesus? That which you are willing to sacrifice it for, that is what you adore and what you love. If you seek to love the Lord more, be willing to go after Him because He says, those who seek Me will find Me. He will reward you with sweet communion if you keep seeking Him. We need to read the Word. We need to pray. Fasting. What was the purpose of the fasting? It was to draw nearer to Jesus. It wasn't to get points or achieve something. It was to draw near to Him. We need to meet with other believers. We need to obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit. These things are there for us and how we choose to walk in it will show how much we really seek Christ and how much we really love Him. So now we come to the bearing of fruit. If we look at verse 2 and 3, verse 6 and verse 8, we notice that sometimes fruit is present and sometimes fruit is absent. Verse 8 says, In bearing much fruit, the Father is glorified. And it reminds of Matthew 5 verse 16 where Jesus says, In the same way let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father. So the fruit brings glory to the Father. In bearing much fruit, we also prove to be the true disciples of Jesus. Because Jesus led the example. He led the way on earth in bearing fruit and in being faithful to the Father. So, fruit shows that we are truly His disciples. So what do we do then with verse 2 and verse 6? Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. This is a verse that, that can make us feel very uncomfortable. And it's not intended to make everybody uncomfortable. But it must make some of us uncomfortable. If a branch does not abide in me. And we've spoken about abiding. Abiding starts with salvation. If we believe, if anyone thinks he can come to God on the basis 
of his works, he is not abiding in Christ. He is abiding in his own works, in his own strength, and he's relying upon himself. He is not a true branch. He will not bear the fruit of the vine because he's not in the vine. Those branches do come into the church. Those branches do sit on the seats. These are the ones that says, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do so many mighty works in your name and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Lawlessness can be beautiful works, but it's not works of obedience. It's not works in Christ. It's the works of this world. It's the Gandhis and all the famous ones that do all this wonderful philanthropy that they get praise from, from all peoples. But even in the church, we can deceive, we can be deceived by people that bear outward fruit that doesn't come from God. God knows those fruits. He sees it. And He will remove those branches. In John 2, 1 John 2, verse 4, it says, Whoever says, I know Him, but does not keep His commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in Him. Many people say they know Jesus. But if they are not obedient to Him, they are liars. <coughs> what about true believers that go through a time when they don't see fruit in their lives? You've come to know the Lord you know in your heart that you are a child of God, but the fruit is missing, it's lacking. Well, we have, have to consider that sin may be present. We are sinful people. We are susceptible to temptation. We have our flesh that drives us away from Christ and the world draws us away and the devil draws us away in Isaiah 59 verse 1 and 2 we read the following behold the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he does not hear. We know the true vine will bring forth good fruit. The branch cannot bear fruit if it does not abide. Yes, you may be a child of God, 
But if you play around with sin, if you nurture sin, the life of God will not be flowing into that branch. Jesus said in Matthew 5, verse 23 and 24, if you come, let me rather read page there. So, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer the gift. God cannot be worshipped when there is sin in our lives. And our abiding will be affected by sin. God has called us to a life of holiness. Be holy for I am holy. We cannot say, but the grace of God is so, so wonderful. It will overlook. No. The grace of God is there to save us when we confess our sins and we repent and we turn away from it. But as long as we harbor sins, we are putting our life at risk. But then still, you may search your heart and you may say, there is no sin that I'm convicted of, but I'm going through tribulation. And I don't see fruit. I pray. I've been praying for my family for years and they don't convert. They don't turn to Jesus. What is wrong with me as a branch? No. Paul says, that Paul has planted and Apollos has watered, but it's God that makes it grow. If you are walking in obedience, keep your eyes on the vine. He will bring the fruit. There are multitudes of testimonies of people that have, are prayers that have been answered years or decades later. Fruit that were harvested not by the people that have initially sown the seeds. So take courage and hold on. You may be in a time of pruning. Verse 2 and 3 points towards that. And we read in, in Hebrews 12, the discipline of the Father. When you think about a farmer working with a vine, he disciplines those branches to go in the right direction, to be exposed to the light so that it can bear fruit, so that it gets the necessary support. In the same way, the Father disciplines His children so that they may bear fruit. Hebrews 12. Verse 7. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. And... 
Verse 10. For they discipline us for a short time, as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. I want to conclude and you'll notice we haven't spoken about branches very much because the answer lies in the abiding and in the vine. In Jesus, everything we need is embodied. If we are abiding in Him, the branch will grow. The life will follow. The growth will come. The nourishment that we need will be there. We don't have to look for books on how to improve ourselves, how to be better branches. We just need to abide in Jesus Christ. And these things he has spoken to his disciples so that his joy may be in them and that their joy may be full. And our joy will be full if we look on Jesus, if we worship him, if we adore him. We will gain faith, we will gain strength, we will gain hope, and we will be able to endure and continue on the road. And the fruit will come. It is guaranteed in Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, you are the true vine. You are the anointed one. Mighty God, Emmanuel, in you all things are sustained and held together. O oh Lord Jesus, we thank you that you invite us to abide in your love, that you have extended the love in which you abide to us. May we look away from the world and turn our eyes to you and abide in you. Amen.